Welcome. You are listening to Intentional Conversations from Nika White Consulting, an encore presentation of our weekly podcast where we intersect diversity, equity, and inclusion with leadership and business. Let the conversation begin. Camille Tate is currently head of talent at Strava, the number one global social networking app for athletes, where she leads an amazing team of talent professionals in building diverse teams. After starting her career in technology staffing with a globally recognized firm, she went on to spend a long-standing tenure with reputable brands such as Redbox, Match.com, The Beck Group, which and now Strava. Through her experience in business development, recruiting, talent branding, and training, Camille has truly recognized that it's not how many positions you fill, but how well you connect and build trust with the people you work with. As a 16-plus-year veteran in recruiting, Camille enjoys the day-to-day of putting together the foundational building blocks of talent acquisition and establishing a path for teams to attract and retain exceptional talent. She has several designations, including the Professional and Human Resource, PHR, and SHARM Certified Professional, along with a BBA in Business Information Systems from Tennessee State University and MBA from Strayer University. She is a sought-after speaker, panelist, and contributor to the human resources and talent acquisition communities. Additionally, Camille is the co-owner of the Career Salon LLC, a co-host of the Career Salon podcast with the HR Twins. Camille resides in Dallas, Texas with her husband of 11 years and their three-year-old son. And so in your own way, podcast community, either through some of the reactions we can leverage in Zoom or through some of your um, comments and chat, let's please provide a warm welcome to Camille for being with us today. We are so grateful to have you. We don't take it lightly that you said yes to our invite and we are just ready to dive right in. Yes, I want to just invite you right off the bat uh, in your own way, share with us whatever kind of greeting for this audience. And I will tell you that one of our best questions is always once we've read the accolades, the credentials, the bio is to get our guest co-host to share with us. What do we not know about you or can't learn about you from reading your bio? What are those other bits of information that helps you to show up the way that you do um, those intersecting identities? We want we want to know all of that. So greet us. Thank you, Camille. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you, Nika. Thank you to your staff for welcoming me so warmly. Um, I was counting down to having this conversation with you all today. Um, The topics that we're going to be discussing is my passion work. It's what I do every day inside of work, my work at Strava and outside of work um, with the career salon and my twin sister, Carla, who's also a HR executive. We do this every day. Um, It's something we do for a hobby um, as well as for work. And that may be kind of nerding out (laughs) that we do HR, DEI, recruiting for for a hobby, but it's so much uh, passion that we have about this subject matter, so much that um, I've seen um, throughout my 16 years of experience um, in front of the scenes and behind the scenes. And so I always want to be in conversations where we can share information um, and you might ask some questions or have some comments and I may learn from you all. And so I'm so excited to have this conversation. What wasn't stated in my bio is the winding road of my career. It wasn't all roses. I had to kick down some doors. I had to make my presence known. I had to have uh, tough conversations 
conversations um, in all of my roles. And so I think that's so important that uh, you all know that, yes, the bio, the accolades, the accomplishments are great, but it takes hard work and deep conversations to get there. So I'm just happy to share my experience today. Oh, that is so awesome. Thank you. We're happy to hear about your experience. And you're getting some love in the chat already, particularly <laughs> about the, the twin powers. So I'm taking it that maybe we have some other multiples a part of this audience. Um, but, you know, so I'm, I'm going to go off script um, at the top of the hour because I'm just so curious. I, I just, I'm so intrigued by multiples. I really am. And I, I often felt when I was growing up that I wish I had a twin. Um, um, my sister and I are 15 months apart. So just, I mean, indulge me for a second. What was that like? It sounds like it's it's still um, a, a really deep and strong relationship. You all are doing podcasts together. And so tell me about that. Yeah. I mean, you know, we were, our parents were older when they had us. And so we were raised very, very closely together, we had the same classes, same <laughs> major in undergrad, got our MBA at the same time. You're like the same everything. Um, so, um, but we realized we're different, right? Yeah. Um, all those years being raised together, wearing the same thing, eating the same thing, sharing the same likes, the same dislikes, you know, now we're, uh, don't tell anyone 40 plus, and um, it's like, we are totally different, we are individuals, and just coming into our own still, um, and so it's it's been a while, right, who knew that we would both be in HR, we you know, a lot of people, if you talk to them about their journeys in HR, DEI, recruiting, it's something a lot of people just fall into, you yeah. know, not really going to school and get formal training. And that's my major in college. Both of our majors was information, business information systems. We thought we were going to work for IBM, rah-rah mm -hmm. uh, being IT, then 9-11 happened. And yeah. that our whole careers took a detour, um, ended up doing different things. And then my sister actually got into HR first. Um, and then I kind of, somebody noticed me and asked me if I ever thought about recruiting. And yeah, what does that involve? Talking to people? I do that. So <laughs> <laughs> got into recruiting. We both, and we both say, she's like, oh, I don't want to be in recruiting. I'm like, I don't want to be in, you know, employee relations and HR. So we both have our lanes that we stay in and we're um, well comfortable in those lanes. So <laughs> that brings us today and doing it, you know, kind of balancing each other out on our podcast and what we discuss and how we uh, do career therapy with our clients and things like that. So we have a good balance to each other now. I love that. And, and listen, we're not going to whisper about being in the 40s club, okay? <laughs> we're not. We're not going to do that today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> a proud 41 here. <laughs> there you go. So listen, Camille, I want to give you an opportunity to give a shout out to your sister, your twin. I'm not sure if she's listening in today, but she nonetheless, is? maybe she'll, well, great. Fantastic. So give her a shout out. Yes. Uh, my sister is Carla Patton. She's the director of HR, director of people at RAP. Um, yeah, she's, she's always... So that's the one thing about being a twin. You always have a built-in supporter. So wherever yes. I am, she's, she's not too far behind. Oh, that's great. Well, welcome, Carla. <laughs> We're so glad to have you here. I also want to acknowledge one of my colleagues, Anam Hassan, is here as well. Anam serves as our chief of staff for NWC, and our plan is to co-host today, and there was a little bit of snoofah with the, the internet, and so she's here now, and I definitely want to make sure that I bring her into the conversation because she is the one that brought Camille to us. She said, I have a great contact that I think is going to be amazing for our podcast, and so Anam, I just want to give you a chance to greet this audience in your own way as well. 
Yes, thank you. And I appreciate y'all's patience and understanding. Welcome to the age of the digital world where things like this happen. And I appreciate that. And Camille, so grateful to have you as uh, our guest co-host this week. And um, I adore Camille and the HR twins. So we're very, very <laughs> excited to have you on today. Yeah, so there's a there's a Dallas connection there. So that's fantastic. Okay, so so let's jump right in. So here's my question. You've mentioned before that, of course, you're in this HR space, but I want to understand how from your vantage point, have you found it appropriate to incorporate a lens, a really meaningful lens of DEI into the HR work? And, um, and let's just kind of delve into that a little bit, please. Right. So I'm in recruiting. So I have done HR, like employee relations and things like that. But my primary skill set is talent acquisition recruiting. And for me, I started recruiting in 2005. And so I've been doing this for a while. It's never been another thought not to include the lens of diversity, equity, and inclusion um, in my practice of recruiting. It has to be there. Um, I see a lot of companies now are separating you know, diversity recruiting, diversity sourcing, and then you have your regular recruiting team over here. To me, it's never separate. Yeah. It's always, this is how you start your day. This is how you start talent acquisition. This is how you build diverse teams. It's having that as a part of your practice every day. So for me, it's never been separate. It's never been a, a time that I've, you know, not thought about diversity, equity, inclusion when I'm doing my work. And, and I feel like that is, that has been some of my success and my relationship building and also my success with, success with some of the companies that I've worked with and really being an advocate for candidates because that's what recruiters are. We are advocates and we are advocates for everyone. Um, and it's our job to, if we have a homogenous pipeline or we see something is awry um, in terms of providing uh, great candidates for the organization. It's our job to find, to attract, and um, a variety of different ways that talent to bring to, to the table. No, I love that. I love being an advocate for everyone, not just the organization, right? But also the people in the organization. It has to be balanced. And I know that's mm -hmm. a big conversation sometimes that enters when, um, when you're talking about the function of HR and who are they really there to support. So great. Thank you. I appreciate that, Camille. And on that note, tell us a little bit about what it means to be that advocate and really tell a candidate's story. What does that look like? I think um, it's something that I learned a lot. I think when you start out in staffing, you start out with the mindset of sales because you have to sell the candidate to a client. Um, they're paying you for a service and they're paying you to provide a slate of candidates to fill their roles. So I think that I think that's how I learned advocacy and selling um, candidates in a way that presented them in their best light. And then you got to know the candidates in a way where you could communicate their story. And I think that sometimes, you know, recruiting has become like we have thousands of candidates all these resumes we're just pushing resumes right but our role actual role is to get to know people to build relationships with them even if this position doesn't work out you still have a connection you still have a contact you still have that relationship they might be uh, in alignment for something else so i think it's just important that whether or not this person ends up being 
you know, a, a great, in great alignment with the position that you're actually recruiting for, you still keep that relationship. You still get to know them. So they just say, oh, we have this position there, you know, they would be great for this role versus this role. And you're making sure that you're moving the pieces and being the advocate and telling their story. If you don't adequately have a, a developed conversation with candidates, you can't be their advocate on the other side. And that's what inclusion is. Inclusion doesn't start when you get, you know, when you get someone to the table and you hire them and, oh, we think about being inclusive. Inclusion is having that conversation, getting all the details needed from the beginning to make sure that this person has an inclusive process. And that includes being their advocate to the hiring manager, or the hiring team, and being honest and transparent on both ends. I love that. I love when you use the words, um, tell a person's story when recruiting, and that that's part of how in which you show up to this, this work, this discipline, this role. So I want to dig in a little bit deeper to that. What, like, what is that process like to really get that story beyond like what's on paper and some of the rehearsed responses sometimes that people can give when they're in that, those conversations with recruiters? Of course, you have the compliance thing where you ask everyone the same questions if you're doing a, a screening, but it's really, um, you know, really prompting. It's really in the prompt questions when you're talking to candidates and you're really, oh, you know, what was your role in that? And showing your interest um, in the person and the role they played in the work that they're doing and really show, you know, keen interest in that to develop that conversation, asking open-ended questions. Uh, you know, I've been in interviews myself, even though I'm a recruiter, where the hiring manager or someone just boom, 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 just asking me question after question after question. And I'm, you know, limited as far as time to giving like one word or short answers. And I'm not able to have a conversation with that person. So I think that is very important. I think recruiters, yes, we are professional question askers, but <laughs> recruiters should be active listeners mm. because we need that information. And so you want to let the candidate know and make the candidate feel comfortable that, hey, I'm here to learn about you. Tell me about you. Um, and, you know, Feel, make them feel comfortable to, you know, ask any questions or even bring up things that candidates might usually ask, be proactive in that so we can take that off the table and really get to know them. Um, so that's a, all a part of, you know, crafting that story is being an active listener and really taking the information, letting them know you're taking notes because you want to capture uh, the essence of the conversation to deliver to the hiring team. Yes. Absolutely. And um, I, I do want to take a moment to take a question we have from a Lenroy Jones. Lenroy, did you want to go off unmute and ask your question or I'm welcome to share it for you as well? Yes, I, I can do that. Good morning, everyone. Good morning to our, uh, our panelists as well. The question I have is um, one that is rooted in the area of work that I've done the most, mm -hmm. which is dealing with university college. Um, um, career centers. And so the question is, how, from your perspective as a recruiter in HR on the corporate side, can you share your approach to building a talent pipeline on college campuses and universities um, across America to secure that diverse pool of candidates? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think that campus recruiting, and we're currently uh, building our program at Strava, where I am now, um, we're building our campus recruiting program, but in my previous roles, it's really staying connected 
Um, with the career centers, I think that when people think about campus recruiting, they're like, oh, we're going to sign up for this career fair and that's it. Well, that's not really building a relationship. That's attending an event. And so really, um, it's reaching out to the career centers, having that connection with the director of career services and saying, yes, we signed up for the career fair, but we also want to do other things with your students. Um, I know we're not you know, able to do a lot of things in person, but there's still, um, you know, coffee chats, there's still uh, virtual things that your company can set up to show the community at these different schools that they're welcome to, you know, learn about Strava, learn about the opportunities, uh, take the job description off the page and speak with some of the hiring managers for internship roles, new graduate roles. So there's a lot of different ways that um, it, if you don't have an internship program, I mean, that's really missing out on, on creating that pipeline. Because we know I'm in tech specifically in some areas of like product and niche roles in around engineering, there are not a lot, there's not a lot of diversity in certain areas. So a way to build that talent pipeline is to increase the number of interns you have to really build that skill set and uh, create a pathway for that person to be a permanent member of your team. So uh, building relationships with campus, university is more than just attending a career fair. It's really developing that relationship um, and, you know, some of these universities, you have to invest resources. Yeah. Um, it's their time is not free. Um, you know, you have to put in, invest in the resource, put your money where your mouth is, invest in the students, um, sponsorships, uh, do a scholarship, um, let, the, let the campus know that you're there to develop a relationship, not to just cherry pick their best students. Mm. Good stuff. And Camille, I'm glad you spoke about skill sets. Uh, there's a term that you've mentioned previously, transferable skill. Mm -hmm. What is a transferable skill? Can, and can you tell us a little bit about how candidates can communicate that within an interview? Yeah, so transfer, transferable skills are key. I see a lot of this on LinkedIn. It's like, you know, I, I apply for this role. I don't exactly have the experience, but I have transferable skills. Mm -hmm. But yet people submit the same resume to every job and you don't <laughs> illustrate your transferable skills in writing or, you know, via conversation with the hiring teams. That's so very important. If you, we know that a lot of people, especially uh, from underrepresented groups uh, versus majority, see <laughs> job descriptions and are like, oh, I'm missing this, this, and this, so I'm not going to apply. And, you know, people are like, no, apply for everything, whatever it is. If it's a director and you're a specialist, go ahead and apply. And that's great. Take every opportunity to apply for what you feel, um, you know, you want to go after. But it's important if someone asks you a question or in all of your communication that you're able to say, I don't have this, but I have this. And this is how it applies to the job at hand. For me, it took me a while to get, when I was younger in my career, I was in technical recruiting, but I was on the staffing side and I wanted to get into corporate and I kept getting no's. And I'm like, why am I getting no's? It's because my resume is formatted for the staffing world. And it's not really communicating what I can do on the corporate side from a technical standpoint. I had to redo my resume uh, and really, translate what I've done that can apply to a corporate recruiting role. And that's when I started getting conversations. And on top of that, um, you know, companies, we get resumes all the time. And of course, a lot of the 
companies that get thousands, hundreds of resumes, they're going to go with people they see that they have the skill set relevant on their on their resume. For me, it didn't happen that way. Every job mostly that I've had, I have to reach out and have a conversation with the hiring manager versus somebody call me back based off an application. But in that conversation or in that communication to them about the role that I was interested in, I explained clearly how my skills and technical staffing could translate to their role and how I could help them. And I communicated that in writing, also communicated it verbally in the conversation. And that's how I've mostly in my career gotten my opportunities um, by communicating transferable skills and how I could make something happen for the company. Yeah. And transferable skills are not only important for um, from, from organizations who are wanting to see how agile individual candidates are, but I also think about the smaller companies, right? Like I think about NWC, where we're small in size. And when we do our recruiting, we are very much, you know, leaning into where are there opportunities for us to be able to hire talent that can fit into maybe multiple functions? Because we, you know, we don't have, we aren't at the place where we can have just a level of expertise that's designed to satisfy one only type of discipline. And so I do think that that's becoming really big. So Camille, I want to shift a little bit now and I want to talk about what recruiters all over are going through right now. <laughs> we have the great resignation. We have this okay. distributed workforce. I mean, there's a lot, right? So just take us through what you're seeing and hearing as it relates to the, the deepened complexities that recruiters are experiencing right now. And just would love to hear your thoughts. <laughs> okay. I have one thing I forgot to say about the transferable skills before yeah. I get into that is one of the things that I did because I've been a candidate you know, as well to get to Strava, I had to go through the interview process with several companies and things like that. But one of the things I started doing was, um, is I kind of did a cover letter, but I also had my advocates, my colleagues that mm. that knew my skill set. I had them write a blurb, a reference blurb for me, and that mm. was in my cover letter uh, for the companies that I applied for. And I saw that my um, kind of inquiry rate went sky high when I let people advocate for me via writing when I applied for these roles. So that's just a quick tip um, yeah. for people that are looking that you want to have your colleagues and people that know your skill set and accomplishments um, and impact that you've had uh, for specific roles to advocate for you in writing. And you can use that in your job search. So I just wanted to add that tidbit, sorry. <laughs> no, I'm glad you did. No apologies at all. So now tell yeah. us about the recruiters. What are recruiters going through right now? Recruiters are they are pulling their hair out? Recruiters are exhausted, right? <laughs> especially, especially if you work for a company that, you know, has a reputation, right? Because candidates have more awareness with social media and just Twitter and just all of these things. People read it. People are online talking about companies, their reputations, their cultures, and candidates are like, I have my choice. And they do. It's a candidate market. And so you really have to, especially if you want to build diverse teams, uh, you really have to, diversity, equity, inclusion, it starts with culture. It starts with emotional intelligence, right? You have to reach out and it's more of, you know, communication, uh, talent branding, right. which is, oh, I call it opening your arms and telling people that they are welcome to your house. That's how I think of it. 
uh, putting your brand out there, illustrating the culture, having people talk about it a little bit more so that people will have the understanding of, okay, I've never heard of Strava before, but it looks like they have a great culture. Several people have said it in videos and things like that. So it's very important. Recruiting is totally different now. And you really have to have an honestly genuine and authentic culture to really recruit that great talent. Or uh, like some companies, they're throwing money everywhere. Um, and that's good too. But I, I hope that, you know, candidates that are really seeking to um, build their career, it's not all about money. Um, it's really, I have been in, you know, been in companies where people are paid, you know, a lots of money, but the culture is not there. Mm -hmm. There's no inclusion. You know, there's microaggressions. There are things going on in the environment where no amount of money would, you know, justify um what what people might be going through so i think it's important that um you build um relationships with people externally um to let them know really who the company is what the culture is so that you know a lot of people are like i don't want to go anywhere where it's going to be the status quo Right. Um, that's what I'm seeing with a lot of people that I know, a lot of colleagues, you know, I've been in recruiting for a long time. So I uh, know quite a few people in the industry and things like that and, and different tech and so on and so forth. And they're like, I'm not going there because their culture is bad. Mm -hmm. And so it's really everybody's job is not just recruiting. And I think that's why a lot of companies are going through a lot of changes because Talent is this just not on recruiting. It's supposed to be in what I say at Strava, everybody recruits. We're not order takers. We, we are partners. And so it's everybody's responsibility to, to be a part of the brand, the talent brand, and share with people about our culture and the opportunities we have and have conversations. Um, that's very important. And we were talking about building a diverse team, which is what I talk about all the time at Strava and even elsewhere. Um, it's something where it's an inside job, right? Um, with sharing culture and recruiting people and building relationships, it's an inside job. It, I, you know, I've said this on a couple of panels that I've been in. When you think about diversity, equity, and inclusion and attracting talent, and you're thinking about referrals and things like that, and you want people to help you, anti-racism, diversity, equity, inclusion is not a nine to five job. It's not something where you get up in the morning, you say, I'm going to work, I'm going to put on this DEI hat, and then at five o'clock, I'm going to take it off and go back to my, my community that all looks the same right? Yeah. All from the same background. If you can't do that inside work, it's not going to show up outside and people will think you're not genuine. And so they won't want to, don't want to come to your company. So that's the trend, right? People are wanting to work where people look like them, where people come, you know, people from the same background, they want to come to those type of companies. And so it's, it's the work of all the whole company. And if it's not there, that you won't be recruiting that, that great talent. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I just love that. And you're getting a lot of love in our chat as well. Um, <laughs> I do want to remind uh, our viewers to get, get your questions in there um, as you see them come in. We do have one from Zoe Mitchell. Zoe, did you want to unmute yourself and share your question? 
Sure. Hello from Toronto. <laughs> Thanks for having this, Nika, as always, and Camille. Um, my question, I have a couple questions. I'm framing them in different ways. Um, my question was around, you know, this whole conversation about I can't find, you know, qualified candidates in these specific yeah. roles, especially in leadership and tech. Mm -hmm. So I was curious as to how do you frame when someone says to you, yeah, I'm looking for top talent, but yeah, you know, I really can't find it. So this is, you know, they're just going to throw it at you. So I'm just wondering, what is your angle? Um, how do you have these conversations when they really think that we, we aren't out there? I show them top talent. <laughs> I mean, um, <laughs> they say, oh my gosh, we can't find, you know, we've been looking and, you know, I've had that my whole career, right? Mm -hmm. we, we, you know, we can't, we need more women or we need to diversify our talent pool. What are you doing, right? It's like, have you been networking? Have you been going to the events? Have you been building relationships? Uh, we know LinkedIn is a, is a, everybody's on LinkedIn, right? The same way I can go to LinkedIn, it's the same way you can, right? And so it's really pushing back on hiring managers and challenging them and saying, we're partners in this and I'm gonna bring talent to you uh, but you also have to do the same. And we're out there. There's organizations, there's there's groups, there's, you know, so many things. And we have we have everyone at our fingertips, right? So to say now in this day and age, in 2022, that you can't find talent in certain areas um, is simply a fallacy, right? And so you you sometimes you have to do research. You have to do research and, and find out where people are. Um, you know, a, a lot of, you know, top talent in terms of uh, senior leadership, they may be passive. So how do you network and have conversations or get into the rooms where they are um, to, to have conversations and talk about your brand and talk about your company and the opportunity you might have available? Um, there's, you know, if it's not on the surface, people think it's not there. And, and that's just simply not true. You're just not looking. Um, and like I said, it's, it's when you think about it, if, you, if you're saying it's not there, well, you're, you may be the person where you think DEI or inclusion and, and talent pipelining is a nine to five job because you should be in these circles and you should be networking and you should be having, having a coffee chat with the person you find on LinkedIn a couple of times a week um, for 20 minutes and, and things like that. That's the key. You know, it's, it's kind of, I'm an old school recruiter and I feel like sometimes I know I might get flack for this, that the internet has kind of made acquiring talent a little bit lazy um, because we don't pick up the phone anymore. Everything's over email messaging. We sent you a DM and things like that. We don't try to find phone numbers and have actual conversations with people and that's where candidates get lost in the shuffle or we can't uncover these mysterious unicorns um, that we're looking for our opportunities. Yeah, that's a good point, Camille. Recruitment, um, in essence, is a lot about first and foremost relationship building, right? And, and that relationship building is where you get to be able to understand someone's story so that you can advocate and tell their story and put them in the right roles. Um, one of the things that I often find to be part of the, the challenge or the barrier when people say, um, you know, we're, we're, we're trying, we don't know where to go to find, you know, talent that are part of these different populations that are underinvested, underrepresented. 
presented. And what comes to mind for me is that I think sometimes it's because we are waiting too late. We begin our recruiting process immediately at the time of need versus seeing it as something that needs to be constantly thought about and cultivated and, yeah. and, and building relationships so that when the opportunity presents itself, a lot of the hard work has already been done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So exactly. I, yeah, great. I was just going to say, tell us about your podcast. We want to know about your podcast. Oh, awesome. So, um, actually I started a blog back in 2016, uh, just because I, I'm like, People, you know, ask me questions all the time about their job search and how do I get into certain companies and how should I present myself and negotiations around salaries and things like that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm getting so many questions. I need to start a blog. And so I did start a blog, but then um, just thinking about it, my sister and I both um, are in the HR world and I'm like, we should just do it together. And we started a podcast. Um, it'll be two years in March. Um, it's called the Career Salon Podcast with the HR Twins. Um, the reason why it's called the Career Salon is we grew up in the barbershop with our dad. He was a barber. <laughs> and he would, we were like, oh my gosh, we're just having all these different conversations about uh, politics and playing checkers and chess and dominoes and having questions about current events. We're like, we need a place like that for HR, career search, DEI, all the topics that we, you know, talk about every day or people ask us questions about every day. We need to have a place where people can come and just get the real deal. Because my sister and I, we exchange stories all the time about things that go on behind the scenes in, in HR that candidates, employees don't know about. And it's not that it's a secret is that maybe nobody is really sharing this information mm -hmm. um, to, so that they can use to their benefit. And we just noticed how employees and people we encountered, they didn't know their rights as an employee. They didn't necessarily know the laws that are applied to them to help their situation, uh, or they didn't read their employee handbook. So we were seeing all these trends and we were like, let's let's create a space where we can break all this down and spill the tea, um, kind of <laughs> and spill the tea on what goes on behind the scenes, um, in HR, DEI, uh, recruiting. And so that's what we did. And it's been an awesome journey. Um, uh, we're top 5% rated on listen notes, um, in our career category. Mm -hmm. It's been a great ride. We've had some great guests. Um, we learn from them, uh, as well. And so it's a great, uh, learning space for us to just keep it real about what goes on in our industry. And we also want to be a great help to people um, in their careers, whether it be any topic, negotiations, you know, offers, uh, DEI, the law, employee relations, you name it. We talk about it all, leadership, management. So. Um. That is great. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm going to bring Autumn back in in just a second. But before I do, while we're talking about your podcast and the HR Twins, again, we've been hearing a lot from your twin, Carla, in the chat. But I want to take a moment to actually allow her to come and share um, as well. And so, Carla, if you would like to unmute yourself, and if your camera is on, I will spotlight you. But if not, that's fine, too. No pressure. But we'll love for you to share what you um, most value about um, the opportunity to have this space and time to share with your sister on your um, the 
career salon podcast, which by the way, we have posted a lot of that information into the chat for this community's um, understanding. Carla, go for it. Hi everyone. I'm, I'm kind of doing dual things. I'm at work working, but I'm listening also. So I'm going to turn my camera on because I got all this stuff where I'm at my desk. But um, thank you for having my sister on. And um, of course, you know, I'm a fan not only because she's my twin, but because I think she's really skilled in what she does. And she clearly has lots of knowledge about the space that she's in. So I'm just an admirer as well. So, um, and it's awesome to share a platform with her, with our website, our blog, our podcast. And, you know, really came because I was going to start my own thing about HR. And Camille was like, well, why don't we do this together? <laughs> It doesn't make sense for us to be separate. So it's been a good journey. Um, we not only try to educate our audience, but we learn a lot through our own podcast and our own research for our blogs and conversations. So it's not about just telling you what to do. And we know it all. We learn a lot from the guests that we have on our podcast. And um, it's just really having those conversations that help people get to the point in their careers that they really want and anyone everything is possible you just have to know how to do certain things but anything is possible for anyone so I just love it thank you no thank you for sharing thank you so much for sharing and I have to say I just love the career salon and you fun and uh the tidbits of information as you guys share it's just Awesome. Um, I do have a question um, from uh, somebody. Let me scroll back up here before. Um, apologies if I say the name wrong. Uh, Tuco, was there a question that you wanted to unmute and share? Hi, my name is Toki. Toki. Actually, hi. Uh, Happy New Year, everybody. And uh, this is an excellent conversation. I'm so grateful to uh, be able to listen in. Um, the uh, question was actually answered by Camille when she spoke about uh, having the culture, because while you're doing all this to recruit um, an uh, awesome workforce, if you don't have the culture to support them once they're there, you don't want people to leave. So it's been answered. Thank you. Great, wonderful. And Camille, on that note about culture, uh, when we hear the term uh, being thrown around cultural fit, uh, we hear that here and there as employers seek new hires. Tell us what are the implications of this term and what are some alternatives that could be used? Um, I hate the term culture fit. I'm just, I just want to put that out there. Um, and, you know, it's, a, I'm not going to say I've never said it because I have earlier in my career, I was more junior, right? And I had to come into the understanding that that's not a, a good term, right? So for me, I'll just use Strava as an example, right? Our culture is inclusive. Our number one, it, we don't have values, we have ABCs. Our number one uh, ABC is anti-racism. Um, and, and, you know, we have all of these ABCs and our culture is a certain way. Our culture is to accept everyone authentically for who they are and let them be who they are. So if I'm talking to a candidate and I go back to the manager, I say, oh, they're not a culture fit, but we're saying that everybody is here making our culture, being authentically themselves as individuals. 
how is that's hypocritical? How are they not a culture fit? If we're saying that we invite and we include everyone and we support everyone for who they are as individual human beings. How can someone not be a culture fit with that type of culture? So I just see a lot of, you know, people, recruiters, hiring managers, whatever, saying, oh, that person wasn't a culture fit. Well, if you're saying that your culture is inclusive and you're, uh, uh, you know, for DEI, for anti-racism, that can't be. Because, you know, it, it, it's everybody as an individual makes the culture of a company, right? Um, and so, you know, I, I think that you can say someone is not in alignment with um, what you're looking mm -hmm. for, but the term culture fit should just kind of be stricken from, <laughs> from, from the record, right? And I think it's important to have that culture conversation. I know it's a lot of candidates ask me and my team, they say, oh, what's the culture like at Strava? I think you should be lead with that. Lead with that. Tell people what your culture is. And a lot of people, uh, I'm speaking specifically for recruiters because I've been there, done that, are in positions where they don't really like the culture. They don't really like where they are. So how can they communicate and sell the culture to this potential new employee? They can't. It's disingenuous. You have to have people on your team that enjoy what they are doing and are genuinely invested in the culture of the company because there's no way um, that you can uh, recruit someone authentically if you're not invested individually. And so that's, that's so important that you communicate the culture out front. And that's the power of storytelling, right? Not even from the candidate side, but from the recruiter side. Mm -hmm. People ask me all the time and I'm not, and I don't take offense to it. They ask me, how, it is, how, how is it working as a black woman in tech, working as a black woman at Strava? They asked me my firsthand experience and I appreciate the question because I'm gonna give them the real deal. And that is a recruiter's role and responsibility to be transparent, to be honest and authentic. So that, and I also, the same token, I talk to candidates, it's a two-way street, I talk to candidates about our ABCs, no matter what color, what background, what gender, our ABCs, our number one ABC is anti-racism. We believe in diversity, equity, inclusion. Tell me how in your experience, how that's shown up in your work. And are you on board to support and have difficult conversations around anti-racism and diversity, equity, inclusion, because we talk about it all the time. And so if that's not a, in alignment with that person's goals or what they like to do in their work, is some people are like, I don't want to talk about that at work, right? I don't want to talk about anti-racism. I want to have, have to have these conversations. That's not professional. Well, that's our culture. And I want to make sure that we're on the same page and that you want to be a part that part of that culture. And so if they aren't, that's a, a, a culture misalignment. I wouldn't say they're not a fit for our culture. It's just a culture misalignment. They're not on board with the culture of our company. And mm -hmm. that's fine. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's such an important um, uh, feedback to that question because uh, I think it does um, say a lot about a company and, and identifying what that culture is. Um, and what should, what should we not say to have that type of implication? Mm -hmm. um, we do have a question um, 
from Jean Holmes. What advice have you given in terms of building a pipeline? Uh, building a pipeline, um, it's a lot of different roads to building a pipeline, right? Um, the best pipeline or the most ideal is where you, the culture that you're building internal, internally shows up outwardly, right? And so I think a lot of people, I'm searching, searching for a diverse pipeline. I'm searching, I'm trying to go to, to this board and post here and post there the most ideal situation is for you, your company to show up as authentically itself and for people to say, wow, I want to go work there, right? That's the most ideal, but sometimes it doesn't happen like that. So you do have to network. You do have to uh, join different groups. A lot of things that we're going to be doing in terms of pipelining and building relationships, even with Strava. I've only been with Strava for a year, um, but a lot of things uh, nowadays is events, right? Live job descriptions. Let's have a conversation over Zoom, virtually give you the opportunity to talk to these hiring teams live and learn about what they're working on, the impact of their, uh, of their departments, their projects, uh, the roles or opportunities they have available, give you the opportunity to ask questions. That's building a relationship, right? Because recruiters, unfortunately, have a bad rap in most cases, right? And so the, the key thing to building pipelines, a big part of it is how can we take out the middle person, which is the recruiter, and connect them with the business, and so that's a big part of what some of the initiatives that we're going to be working on at Strava, because Strava is well known um, in the, the, the cycling athlete community, um, but we need to broaden that. And so that's one of the ways. And then partnering with different organizations, um, you know, partnering with organizations and, you know, a lot of companies say we want diverse talent and things like that. Well, if you don't have, if it's been a nine to five thing for you and you don't have that network you're going to have to make investments to have access to certain networks and building those relationships. And, you know, you don't want to join uh, forces with someone and say, oh, we just want to network with you. We know you have connections to a lot of candidates and you're not pay people what they've been doing. They do this work and you want access to something they've been building over years and years and, not, and don't feel like you have to invest uh, your resources um, in that relationship. And that's, I think, where a lot of companies, they try to get all these things for free when they don't have access or connections to candidates um, because they haven't been building the relationships. It's kind of been a nine to five thing. Like I said, you're going to have to pay. You're going to have to pay. And something like, why would I have to pay to get access to candidates? Well, you haven't been doing the work and they have, and they yeah. deserve payment for their work. Yeah. And so sometimes it's, making that investments, like I said, putting your money where your mouth is. You don't have access to it. You're going to have to pay for it. Um, and it's worth the investment if you want to build relationships and build diverse teams. And then you also have to, your whole recruiting team um, should be diverse and should be actively recruiting, passively recruiting talent from every walk of life. That's our job. And that's also the job of every ind individual employee as well. So... Um. There's that amplification again of recruiting talent is everybody's job, everybody's job. 
So I recall earlier you were talking about Strava and you mentioned that you don't have core values, you have ABCs. And you mentioned that the number one is you know, anti-racism, not an anti-racism organization. And I remember as I heard that, I was really impressed and I placed into the chat, not number two, three or four or five, but number one, that's impressive. Mm -hmm. So um, one of our colleagues actually, um, relatively new colleague with NWC, I do wanna call her name and introduce her, um, Rachel Rudo Manyarazzi, she actually placed into the chat. Um, so do you have a, a value or for every letter of the alphabet? <laughs> Is it just ABC? We're just kind of curious now. <laughs> no, so we have six. Um, okay. So Anti-racism, number one. I'll give you a few um, camaraderie, commitment, mm -hmm. craftsmanship, authenticity. Um, so there we have got yeah, it. We have six, but we place anti-racism number one. Mm -hmm. So it hasn't always been that way. And mm -hmm. the, the Strava was started by two white males from Harvard, Michael Horvath and uh, Mark Ganey, and they will tell you all day, like they didn't start with inclusion and diversity and anti-racism mind. They recognize their wrongs, right? And they know they knew they had to do a pivot. And so working this out, and that's why I say it's personal, working this out and recognizing their privilege and all of these things, they had to do that internal work. And then say to the whole of Strava, okay, we've done this for these years. We were wrong. This is not the way to run this company. This is not the culture that we want. This is how it's going to be. They set the tone. And so all of the things, all of the work that we've done, um, all they've done, and I just came in last year, has been led by, you know, our leaders saying, hey, we need to make a pivot. This is not, this is not where it's at. Yeah. We want our culture, if we're going to make an inclusive product for our 93 million athletes in our community on our app it has to be an inside out thing and so that's what right. you know we've been working on that's what we've been doing and it's it's been a great um it's been a great run that is great that is great well we're getting to the top of the hour so Anam is going to wrap us up but this has been tremendous Camille we are so grateful that you've come and share with us yeah, today thank you and Camille, I just want to wrap us up with, uh, uh, you know, it's been a great topic and discussion, and we all know that the H everyone, so in your challenging seasons, what does Camille Tate do to take that personal time and uh, me time, uh, and what recommendations do you have for others? Um, I miss a little bit of that, Anam, but you said, what do I do to personal time and, and things like that? Yeah. Um, oh, spend time with family, <laughs> spend time with family, um, you know, downtime. Like I said, I, I mean, do a lot of work, um, nonprofit and in my sorority, um, very active um, in those uh, in those areas. So um, I think the spending time with family, we notice it's a global pandemic. That's the most important thing, spending time with the people that you love um, and maintaining those connections um, because life is short. Hey, thank you so much. And uh, I want to just take a final thought to just uh, thank you everybody for joining in today's episode of Intentional Conversations. And thank you so much, Camille Tate. We loved having you, uh, a huge fan of the Career Salon and everything that you guys have done for the community and appreciate you joining us today.
Thank you so much for having me. I truly appreciate it. Awesome. Have a great weekend, everyone. We look forward to seeing you next week for another episode of Intentional Conversations Podcast.